Hello and welcome back to another riveting episode of Homework with Friends. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week for a, another another session of, of friends and learning and all that comes along with it. You can tell we're a little bit more calm this week because we've been practicing our meditation. Uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that um, Logan might, might not have done his homework, but we, we, we took it upon ourselves to... To really focus on our meditation this week to make it up to everybody. Yeah, yeah. and I, uh, I take a little bit of objection to not doing my homework. I mean, I'm a very busy guy, and this podcast is just one part of my life. I just, I don't think that you did it, so I yeah, don't I mean, see I what you're objecting to. Necessarily you wanted to you could just try a little bit fucking it. harder next time. You know what? Screw that. I'm working on my mustache now. <laughs> oh, we're doing mustaches yeah. again. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to Homework with Friends. That's the name. Yeah, I'm Logan. I'm Dalton. And this is the podcast where you come for the homework and stay for the friends. We're going with that one. That's the good one. That's the better one. It is better. I mean, two friends assign each other homework to comedic results. That's like the... Uh, <sighs> it's wordy. It's mouthy. It's like the dictionary entry. It's cocky. Oh, because the comedic results piece? Yeah. Yeah, because of our, our blue period. Yeah, the we sad def- phase. We got sleepy for a real. But guess man. what? We're out of the sad phase now, but we're still on the couch. Still on the we're couch. We're gonna have to take a picture of the couch for you guys this time. Uh, speaking of pictures, that, that way they can see the environment we're working in. Yeah, if you guys really care about it. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at Lake Street Studios. That's the name. Trying to get that pop and posting a little bit more over there. So if you want to check that out. Uh well you know what so let's do a, a few quick shout outs at the top of this episode. You want to hit some shout outs? Well, yeah, so uh th- for whatever reason and I don't know if it was a fluke, I don't know if it's because people had to re-download the episode because it got botched. Yeah. But last week's episode Mustaches and Meditation or Meditation Mustaches mm-hmm. is our now our third most downloaded episode ever. It's a big boy. Yeah. It's a big one. And it very well could be a fluke. It could be we've we've talked about it off off mic about why is it getting downloaded. But we we saw some data. It looks like people are listening to it, and we're very thankful. And one thing I think it might be is how everybody might have shared the podcast. You a little guys bit. did it. You did what we asked. You shared the podcast. That was awesome. It, it was so awesome. It helps out. It's it's we got one more review. We got some more shares. Yes, it is markedly helpful. To share the podcast. So I just want to say to anybody who shared it last week, talked about it, showed a friend at work. Yes. Thank you a bajillion. Thank you. A hundred. Because that is, um, felt good. Felt nice. It's nice to be uh, recognized for all this hard work, you know? Yeah. Because obviously, <laughs> obviously we peaked early. We put out three main episodes. Yeah. One of which is still considered our best one. If you yeah. haven't listened to episode two. Small steps. Go go back to that one. But people like that one. But uh, no, it, feel, it feels good. So I always want to do a shout out to that. Uh, a few more shout outs. Shout out to the classic super fans out there. Uh, you know who you are. You know who you are. I want to do a, a shout out to super fan Steve. For some reason, he's he, upset. Because uh, Steve, I know you're a big fan of the show. Yeah. I guess I don't need to put this on pockets. There's a tweet out there at our Twitter. This is another plug for our Twitter at Homework Pod. It's getting pretty juicy over there. Yeah, it's juicy. It's. I just want to say we love all the super fans equal. Yeah, we love all of you. There's no nobody's better. And you know what? I want to induct somebody to the super fan to to the super fandom. You're inducting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're a member of the crowd now. A member of the crowd. This is a very special friend of ours. Yes, she's from college, but she's been doing a great job of. Uh, liking our stuff, uh-huh. following us around. Even when I put out my cartoon book, she even mentioned that she had printed out some of the cartoons because she liked them. Whoa. But but Matt, Maddie Southall, now Maddie Wallace. Now Maddie Wallace. Maddie Wallace, super fan out there. Thanks for being you and liking the podcast. Phil, your husband, you needed a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> the guy you're married to. Was texting me back and forth about some other stuff and mentioned how much you like the podcast. And I uh, just want to give you a shout out. Thank you. You know, not all not all heroes wear capes. Yeah. Yeah. Not all heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank ge- you. The gears are turning. The so. gears are turning, baby. So that's all the obnoxious, gushy, uh, lovey stuff. Thank you guys so much for uh, helping out the podcast. It's great. We really 
do truly appreciate it. Yeah, and if you ever have any ideas um, or if you want to write us a little bit longer, text if you have our number. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, homeworkwithfriends at gmail.com. We're always looking for new ideas, uh, feedback, and uh, high school stories. High school stories. We love them. We'll read them. We want them. We, we need them. We always need them and want them. I don't have a lot for the top of this episode. You don't have a lot. I don't, but I do I'd know say neither do I. somebody special just had a birthday. Who was it? Yeah, who was it? <laughs> who was who it? Who was it? Who had a birthday? It was uh, Mr. Dalton Lee over here. It was me. Dalton Lee entered the 2-6 club. The 2-6 club. I'm now closer to 30 than I am to 20. And I know I had my birthday... A few weeks ago. About almost exactly four. Exactly a month almost. Yeah. Since the episodes are being released. <laughs> uh, when I hit 26, I got the glasses, but I'd also gone to my glasses. first music festival. So I got a little bit of old guy, a little bit of young guy mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, 26 feels okay. I think I recall saying it doesn't feel as cute anymore. It's not no. a very cute age to be. It's not fun anymore. Uh, tell me, man, how was it? How's the birthday? You know, not bad. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. I had to work, so I had to put in the go to the old grind, you know, make some money. Which is a grown-up birthday thing. It is a grown-up birthday Especially thing. Especially if you're working full-time. I mean, to be honest, unless you got a vacation booked, yeah, you're kind of a baby if you call off work on your birthday. Yeah, just freaking work. It's, it's whatever. It's uh, like, what? Who else is going to be off? But, you know, I've, I, uh, I celebrate it the way I always celebrate it. I got some ways. Oh, yeah, you got this tradition. Yeah. Uh, so, I very much, uh, am a classic guy. <laughs> I like steak mm-hmm. a whole lot, so on my birthday I always have a nice big juicy steak. I had a 16-ounce sirloin steak from Tango Sir, which was honestly phenomenal. Uh, it was so good. Shouts out Tango Sir yeah, Chicago. in Chicago on Southport Avenue. Uh, and then I drink some whiskey. Because your boy loves whiskey. And that's about it. That's it. That's the whole thing. I, I usually go see a movie as well, but I didn't get around to it this year. Yeah. I was busy. So you, you're a meditative birthday guy. I am. I like to spend it alone a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm around people all the time. I like to take my birthday as a day for me. You know? Huh. I think that if, when I'm older, if I ever am blessed enough to have a family and kids, I want them to like maybe celebrate my birthday like... You know, like day before, day after, or something like that, and like do the the gifties. Yeah, daddy's cake. Then give me that day to do my thing. Oh, you're gonna be you're gonna be scary, dad. No, no, no. (laughs) I I think well, maybe I'd always I'd always be willing to come back and do like a big family dinner or something that. I know there's that, but have the day to myself. There are there are those kind of funny uh, like scary dad moments though, where it's like, (laughs) oh no, he's. He's supposed to be alone right now. <laughs> yeah, this is where this he needs this. And maybe that's a part of turning 26 or just turning older in general is that I, I didn't get that as much as a kid. Because mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you're like, well, well we're all, why, why aren't we just hanging out and doing stuff all the yeah, time? Yeah, it's Let's, his birthday. We got we to gotta be around him all the and time. You're, and then once you turn into a teenager, you just look at, or not, before you get your license, you're, like, you're looking at your parents for rides everywhere. Mm-hmm. They like to take you to stores and stuff. But eventually, you kind of get... Why they piss off to den for yeah, hours? It's on needed. End. You gotta, you gotta take that time for yourself. You know. Yeah, you gotta unwind, as they say, <sighs> and meditate. Yeah, but other than that, man, twenty six feels like every other age. Yeah, I can't tell the difference anymore. I don't think it. I don't think there's ever. How nuts would it be if on a birthday just. Psh, like something just changed dramatically. Yeah. Like you wake up and all of a sudden your 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 beard and your hair is just filled with some salt and pepper. You're like, whoa, <laughs> You're like, whoa, 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 on the day, <laughs> on the day, I went to bed fine, and now I'm up. I'm woke up like this. I'm I'm a George Clooney looking motherfucker. Hey, that's not the worst thing. Yeah, I don't know why I said motherfucker. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. We got to keep that explicit rating, baby. Okay, you're right, motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> But uh, have you ever seen that movie Thirteenth uh, Year? Uh, is that with uh, what's it, Gardner? Gardner, mm-hmm. Jennifer Gardner? Or no, that's no, thirteen that's going 13 on thirty. Going on 30. 
very funny movie. Something happens on her birthday. Yeah. No, like we can talk about. It. We'll put a pin in that one. But uh, <laughs> no, Thirteenth Year. It's a Disney Channel original movie where a kid on his thirteenth year just knows he's going to turn into a mermaid. Oh yes, yes, I do remember. That's brutal that. knowledge to have. And he's conveniently already a swimmer. Yeah. Yeah. This is a plot device. Plot device. It's not realistic. He starts getting the gills and stuff. Yeah. Ugh. He looked disgusting. Yeah. I hated him. Who thinks whoever thinks mermaids are attractive <laughs> is you're weird. I'm just kidding. I didn't hate him. <laughs> he was a fine boy. No, he's a stupid boy. Um uh, no, but yeah, that's just like such a drastic thing to happen. Yeah. Uh but he's twenty six, I wish I kinda of turned into a mermaid. I'm double double thirteen. You wanna be a mermaid? That's your thing now? Yeah. Uh, That's my new thing. That's rough, man. I want to be a mermaid. Well, you know, life. (laughs) (laughs) Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic. With Logan Lukacs. With Logan Lukacs. It's just a movie, it's just a three-hour saga about you turning into a mermaid. Yeah. Just very painfully writhing on the ground while gills emerge (laughs) from your body. (laughs) Then you're crawling towards water, but you can't make it, and you die. (laughs) Making myself cut. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really know where I was going with the mermaid bit. I don't know either, man. But <sighs> here we are. Here we are. Another week, another podcast. Another week, another podcast. Uh, homework hot seat. What's that? Huh? Homework hot seat. What's this about? Homework hot seat. What's this about? It's happening. Homework hot seat. Okay, hit it. Uh, oh no. Um, uh, field trip. Field trip. Yeah. Okay. Favorite one? Sure. What tell you tell you about them? Yeah. Homer Kachi. Uh <laughs> This is this is me pulling the emergency we got no no shit to talk about button. <laughs> I Some um, people are happy about it, but I don't remember going on many field trips in high school. No, oh, no, bail. Bail. Uh, <laughs> but you know what a great thing about my school was? And I uh, used to Yes. I used to do this a lot, was when you hit your senior year. You could just be fully excused for any day if you said you were going on a college visit. <laughs> this is not necessarily where it was like out. junior and senior year. And literally, like, whenever I wanted a day off, I would just be like, Ma, I can get this excused. All you got to do is sign this piece of paper. They'll think I'm going on a college visit. I'm going to hang out at home. Damn. <laughs> that's nice. It was so nice. You know, your mom can just say you're sick, right? But then you get those marked on absences, and you only get so many. Mm. These were excused because it was a college visit. Got you know? it. So it was like getting a. It was like the same permission slips you'd get for like a field trip, or like that they would give you when you had to leave early for sports and stuff like that. But it was just for you know you'd just be like, oh, I'm going to visit so and so. That's a nice racket, right? Yeah, I got out of like probably like six six to eight days that way. That's very funny. I know. <laughs> hey. To the 18-year-old out there listening, life hack. Thoughty life hack. I'm going to get in touch with some senior teachers in high school. What? Some senior teachers. Not like teachers who are senior citizens, but those who teach seniors in high school. Oh, and then warn them about this? No, let them know. Hey, we got a great homework-themed podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this one's going down the drain. Is it? Uh, what about you? Field trips? Mm, see, I, I I just pulled up the most high school sounding thing from my brain and okay. said it, but I don't I don't have anything in the can. Best high, I got it. Okay, okay. Uh, not a high school field trip, but it was a middle school field trip. What did you go to, like Philly or DC? Uh, no, I've got so I've got one in seventh grade, which is absolutely insane. I'm going to tease it right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to get into the story at a different time. It was called Camp Joy, okay. and we were seventh graders, and we had to reenact the slave trade. The Camp Joy saga. Yeah, we're coming to you soon. Put a big pin in that one. Okay, but it was insane. All right. Well, before that, sixth grade, end of the year, you got to go to the zoo. Oh snap! You went to the zoo. You got to go to the Cincinnati which zoo? zoo? Cincinnati Zoo. Cincinnati, which is very famous now for having uh, that hippo, that little baby hippo that runs around. Oh yeah! Didn't what else happened there? That's it. Oh, what, um, is that where the didn't something die? Did Harambe there? get shot there? I think maybe. Oh, uh, hey, tweet us, tweet us. Let at, us know what happened at the Cincinnati at Zoo. Homework pod, if you know what happened at the Cincinnati Zoo, hashtag what happened at the zoo? What happened at the Cincy Zoo? 
Uh, no, so it was just a, it was just a regular field trip, and uh, you you walked around, and it was, but it was really fun. That was the cool part of yeah. it. Two very funny things happened. Uh, I had these purple sunglasses at the time, and I was very attached to them. Yes, yeah, so what, what style were they? Circular. Okay, they were they were very cool. This was eight, like what eighth grade? Uh, grade? yeah, no, it was sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. Wow, youngin. It's kind of like what. Some people would wear it like what a girl would wear on Instagram right now. Cool mm-hmm. little hip glasses. Maybe yeah. throw a peace sign out there. For sure. So I was wearing them. They were getting a lot of laughs. People really liked them. They were iconic, I would say. Yes. Uh, we're looking at this rhino, and I'm craning over the pit, and we just, like like sixth graders do, we think it's so funny to be yelling at the rhino. Like, hey, come on over. Come on over, rhino. That's exactly why you yelled at it. Uh, and the rhino doesn't come, but yeah. my glasses fall off my face oh, and into no. the rhino pit in the like the midst of like screaming and jutting my head forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know, uh, one of my friends, Joey Sinopoli, shouts out Joey Sinopoli, had my back, immediately jumped in the rhino pit. Jumped into the rhino pit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa. <laughs> And grabbed him and threw him over and jumped back over. Hey, I, he good was looking a, out, Snobly. Yeah, he was a hero that day. <laughs> and then more funny that that was happening that day. <laughs> a little bit more funny for you. Okay. Uh, it was also the return of the, I think, the 17-year locusts or oh, cicadas or something like that. Oh, that's a bad time. So there was a huge bug infestation, and it was at a zoo. Yeah. So there was poop everywhere. So there was poop everywhere. It was wild. It felt like a plague while we were walking around. So they were just basically like, we can't change this. Just be chill. Like, we're just going to act like the bugs aren't here. And they don't really bother you, but they, they walk around like little pellets. Yeah. Where they, you, they buzz around. Were you, like, stepping on their crunchy little dead bodies Everywhere. And stuff? Absolutely oh. everywhere. Uh Second funniest memory from that day was we all had a little ice cream break. Ooh, what kind and, of ice cream did you eat? Uh, I think vanilla. Uh, nice little vanilla. You're cone. fun. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the more interesting thing was one of the girls who we were eating ice cream with, or at least maybe she was in my eye shot. I could see her as soon as she she like closed her eyes like one of those big old licks from the ice cream cone. So excited. A bug gets right on the cone. Oh. She's not looking. She mouths the whole bug. She eats the bug. The whole bug. Does she swallow it or does she spit it out? She just clomps it down. Whoa. She and got a little she, protein in her ice oh, cream. Oh, I'm gagging thinking about it. So she notices she chewed on a bug, spits it out. Not sure if she pukes or not, but she does go home crying. She goes home? She left. Oh, what a baby. Ah, oh, dude. She was fucked up from that. That was wild. Old Sinobly was in a rhino pen, and he didn't go home. Yeah, shouts out Joe Sinobly. He's, still, he's pretty cool. He just, she just had a bug in her mouth for a minute. Yeah, that's what they say. You got a bug in your mouth, you go home in the rhino pit, you're in the zone. Boom. Boom. That's what your teachers would say? They, they, after that day. Huh. Hey, you know what? What do you know? Homework hot seat. Homework hot seat. We did it. You just homework hot seated yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> well... Time to transition? Time to transition. I guess this is where we do the homework part. Hey, it's time for Just the Facts, Jack. Just the Facts, Jack, for all those tuning in for the first time. We ramble for 20 minutes. Here you go. This yeah. is it. We're, this, we're into the homework the now. homework. I don't yeah. know if it's going to match last week's. What do you mean? Shut up. All right. Hey, buddy. Well. You're the head of the class. I guess you're going first, then. I'm going first? Yeah, I'm going to just go first. Oh. Okay. All right. I'm excited. You got any notes prepared? Oh, I got some notes. You got some notes? Oh, yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome to Logan Lukacs' Homework of the Week. This is it. I was tasked with a uh, a creative task of, well, not what, creative, what analytical. Analytical. This was a reading week. We are trying to capture a little bit of that, that classic book report in a bottle uh, and report back on some stuff that we had to read. So I, mm-hmm. I had to read The Play of True West. Mm-hmm. And basically give a, a report back on its themes, uh, a little breakdown of it, how I liked it. Yeah. Am I about right on that one, Dalton? That's about right. About right on that yeah, that's one. about right. And we'll get to Dalton's homework in just another 20 minutes or so. Almost exactly. Yeah. So I read True West. It's a play. Uh, it was written in the early 80s. What year? I believe. Well, so I mean, what year it was written is, is up to question, but... <laughs> 
Because <laughs> who knows? I mean, it was first it was first put on on 1980, yeah. July 10th, 1980. Okay. So uh, True West is a play. It's basic. It's a two act play, I believe. I read it, so it's kind of hard to tell. It's just broken into scenes. Yes. When you read it, so it's not necessarily broken into the act structure. It's a sparse play. There's only four characters in it. Only four. And really only two main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see. best way to break this down is I'm going to give a synopsis. Yes. I'm going to give a breakdown of the characters and kind of the roles they play, their Thank characterizations. And I'm going to give a breakdown of my, my major themes and kind of what I thought about it. Now we're cooking. All right. So, synopsis of the play. You've got Austin... Austin. And you've got Lee. Lee. They are brothers. Brothers. And Austin is staying at their mother's house while their mother is in Alaska. He's there to primarily water the plants, but he's kind of just crashing there. Just crashing. Uh, Lee finds out about this and wants to spend some time with his brother at their mother's house. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Love you, brother. (laughs) I want to spend time with you, brother. That's basically what they say that's actually from the play. And he comes in to uh, hang out with Austin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Lee. He's, oh. a, he's a wild guy. Lee's wild. Lee's wild. Uh, Austin is writing when he comes in. And basically throughout the first act or so, Austin is working on what he thinks is going to be a very uh, grounded, realistic drama romance outline yes. for a screenplay. And he's lined up a meeting with a producer to try to sell the script to get made in Hollyweird. Would you look at that? Because here's the thing I should mention. They are in Los Angeles. Writer writing about a writer. Yeah. Exactly. Writing writer about a writer. Writer writing about a writer. There you go. Um, And then Lee comes in and Lee's kind of like, what you doing there, bud? Hi, brother. (laughs) He's not so much like that. Hi, brother. What are you doing? (laughs) That's exactly what he sounds like, actually. Um, So he's kind of like, they have a very tense scene where they're sizing each other up. Mm -hmm. Basically, throughout the course of the first act, what you find out is that um, Austin's been working on this. Lee's kind of been living off in the desert, doing his own thing. Yeah, Uh, Lee's a little bit older. Uh, they don't. They're not horribly close. Austin has a family. Lee does not. They have a lot of tension around the uh, the ways they viewed each other growing up. Lee always kind of viewed Austin as the bookworm who was off at college chasing coeds. Yeah, Austin nerd. views Lee romantically as this nomad who does what he wants. Okay. Uh, Lee charms the producer when he comes to meet with Austin about Austin's screenplay. Charms him. Yeah, he uh, basically taught, like, almost forces him to go out and play golf with him the next morning. And so cut to the next morning. This all takes place just in the living room slash kitchen of this house, by the way. There's mm-hmm. no real deviation from that. Yeah. So cut to the next morning. Uh, Lee's got a new set of glove, clubs. And Austin's like, where'd you get those from? He's like, oh, I got them from the producer. Uh, Saul is his name. And uh, I ended up... Uh, Winning a bet, and he's gonna make my movie, <laughs> and he's uh, he's gonna give up on your movie, but you can write my movie because I'm just doing the outline, and it's all good. And then that's when Austin kind of flips out, oh, and he's like, yeah. "Well, I met with this guy about my movie," and Lee's like, "Well, I mean, I got this going on, so how about you help me out with this?" Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. And so, because let me back up a little bit before the golfing happened, Austin had kind of talked to Lee about helping him out with a few pitches for the movies. Yeah. Uh, because the whole one of the big things going on right now is that it's not, in the universe of this play, it's not that hard to sell a script and get some money if you know the right mm-hmm. people. So Lee's like, well, I got a few ideas. Um, so Austin basically has a breakdown, and Saul, the producer, comes over and is basically just like, yeah, I loved your brother's idea. <laughs> and he's like, well, what the hell? And he's like, "Yeah, well, you're gonna write it. Don't worry, like you're on yeah. it. We just, we just can't have you working on yours if, if we're, if you're, you know, doing your brothers, right? Yeah, brothers, you're gonna do the work. Your brothers is great. So what are you mad about? And the brothers over there, kind of like, yeah, brother, what's what's the matter? And then Austin's just like, this is bullshit. My story's good. His story sucks. He like breaks down completely, like loses. Like he was such a composed character before that. 
completely breaks down, becomes a, basically a new person at that point, mm-hmm. and then kind of shifts the whole play from him being the guy working on a script to Lee being the guy working on a script. Yeah, they flipped it. This all takes course over the or all takes place over the course of like a weekend, by the way. Yeah, um, or a few, just a few days. So, uh, Austin gets drunk and starts ridiculing Lee for not being able to write. Okay. And Lee doesn't realize that he's kind of burnt his bridge with Austin and is still kind of seeking help for how to write because he's pretty hopeless when it comes to actually mm-hmm. putting the words to paper. Yeah. Also, it's just very funny in the universe of this play that, like, they just immediately have to start working on this yeah. stuff. They don't, like, chill out at all. <laughs> no, they're like, this has to be done tomorrow. Yeah. Um, earlier in the play, Lee had stole a, a television and was kind of telling of his character, like, I can just go out and steal a TV. So since their roles have flipped at this point while lee is trying to write austin goes like oh you think you're so bad because you can steal tvs i can steal man i could do crimes you haven't even thought of man (laughs) and then lee's like cool go steal a toaster then you couldn't even do that without getting caught he's like specifically a toaster specifically a toaster so he's like fine i'll go steal a fucking toaster so lee anguishes into the night writing not doing well uh cut to the morning Austin has like a bajillion toasters out in the kitchen <laughs> and he's polishing them like, see what I did? Yeah. And Lee's like, you look fucking stupid. <laughs> he's like, this is dumb. He's like, sorry, brother. Yeah, look at all these freaking toasters. Yeah. But then, and I think that what the play is trying to get at is like Austin gets like a little touch of the outlaw life and yeah. likes it. And uh, you also, I think. How could you not? I think at this point. Is when you learn he's the younger brother mm-hmm. in the relationship, but definitely the the older one maturity wise. Um, so he in the transition from stealing the toasters, and I wish I could. I, I want to watch the play, yeah, at some point, or at least see a live production or watch it on YouTube or something like that. Because reading it was difficult to really tell this switch. So I think there's a lot of physicality, and I think there's a lot of like just the set that makes his work. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, like. Austin is just wrapped around Lee's finger as far as like wanting to go out and move out to the desert with him and abandon his life and become this new person uh, along with him and become a nomad. Hey, that's the life. It seems like the life to him, but it's funny because they've kind of flipped at this point and Lee's like, well, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to get this big fat check. Get rich. I'm gonna be. Uh, you gonna make some money. I'm gonna make some money. Get filthy, stinking rich. Yeah. Um. So he does that, and they start fighting with each other about that. And there's a scene where basically Austin's like, "No, take me with you. Take me with you to the desert. I, I stole all these toasters. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the toasters." So then, so then Lee just goes, F- "Fine, okay. Uh, help me write <laughs> this fucking thing. I'll take you to the desert." So basically, Tom Sawyer's. I'm like, wow, yeah. painting this fence is really fun. You guys should come over here. So Austin, after having backed out of writing the project, mm-hmm. backs back in it for free to move out to the desert. Basically, it's ridiculous. That's how you get what you want. So cut to the next day. Uh, they're sitting in the kitchen writing again. Austin's working on script. Lee's pacing back and forth, listening to uh, him read it back out loud. Then their mom comes back home. Mommy's home. Yeah, mommy's home. And their mom goes like, hey, guy." The mom's very passively written. Pretty much every character has um, a lot of parentheticals in the text about how they're supposed to be acted. Like laughs, um, yeah. intense, quiet. Uh, the mom is just like flat, like nothing almost. from what, Unless I was reading a weird transcription of the play. So the mom comes and is like, hey, guys. I was just uh, just coming home early. Didn't really like Alaska. <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> hey, mom, get this. We're going to write a screenplay and move to the desert. And then that's when like Lee's kind of like, I don't really. Ma, he shouldn't go to the desert, right? And she's yeah. like, no, he shouldn't. He's too skinny. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so weird. And she's like. He wouldn't survive. And she's like, I just wanted to check on the plants. Uh, oh, they're dead. Oh, well, I guess you didn't have time to water them. One less thing to look after. Which is like her little telling mom phrase that she's yeah. not very uh, attuned with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, what's his face? Austin goes. Austin. Austin goes full freak mode because 
they're having like a little three-way argument and Austin's like, we're going to move to the desert. And that's when Lee's kind of verbalizing like, well, not really. Cause you know, you got to look up after mom. You got to go see your, you got your family and kids. And mom's like, yeah, don't go to the desert. And then that's when Austin goes, fuck you. And takes his telephone and just fucking starts strangling Lee. Oh, drags him down to the ground and is like making him thrash all over. And the mom's just like, I guess I'm going to leave. See you guys. She leaves? She leaves. She goes like, you can't kill him. He's like, oh, I can kill him. She's like, this is worse than being homeless. I'm going to a motel. Uh Yeah. She also has a weird thing where she wants to go see Picasso at the art museum. Strange. Whatever. Um, So Austin starts strangling his ass. And uh, Lee's like basically dying, mm-hmm. and Austin's like not giving up because he keeps saying that if he lets up, then Lee's gonna kill him because he basically is looking like he's about to kill him. Yeah. So he starts going like, "Okay, if I let you up, you gotta give me a head start. Okay, you gotta give me a head start. You gotta wait till the door closes." <laughs> and Lee's like, "Jesus Christ!" Um, and so. He eventually lets go of Lee and starts running, but then Lee, like, springs the fuck up immediately and cuts him off at the doorway, and that's how the play ends. That's it? Mm-hmm. Don't know who wins fight? It's just the end of it. The, uh, the way it's written is it goes to silhouette, fades away, you hear a coyote. Hey, coyote doing what? <laughs> <laughs> That's True West. I was an 11-minute description of True West. 11-minute uh, breakdown of True West. <laughs> I went a little further into the... Not going to find anything quicker. Um, yeah, so that's True West. Uh, to, to, to save some time, I'm going to bust into some of my analysis. Boom, hit it. Um, we've got Lee is a character. I have him down as he's cantankerous, he's ornery, but he's logic-driven. Uh-huh. There's a lot of times in the play where he picks apart things that Austin says and he's not wrong. He picks at him. Yeah, it's just annoying. He's right? picking at him. Picking he, at him. Like Austin is a very rule-driven person, so he tries to like assert his authority mm-hmm. over Lee. But Lee's like, "Well, you said this earlier," so it's one of those kind of annoying things. Uh, he understands rules, but because of that, he also knows how to break them. So he's very uh, way he charms Saul. Yeah, those kind of things. Uh, I wouldn't say he's very trustworthy, and he's but he's also very jealous. Okay. Um, but he's very cunning at the same time. Uh, the way they write him uh, charming people is very well done. The way he interacts with his mom for seemingly being the black sheep seems like she has a lot more sympathy towards him. So than, they, they always do, you know. Right. They like the rebel. They like. They love the rebel. Uh, then we've got Austin. I have Austin down as thoughtful, but uh, sort of resentful of his lot in life. Yeah. Um, he's hardworking and responsible, but he's also arrogant because of that. He's a little ignorant because of that, too, because he's only lived in academia. And he's also jealous of Lee's lifestyle, but just not as resourceful. Yes. People don't have as much confidence in him. Uh, then you've got Saul, who is the producer. He's kind of like, he's the American public. He got so easily charmed by Saul's like wild story to make a movie and didn't really care about Austin's like little smaller tale yeah. of romance. He's also just Hollywood. And you got mom, who's kind of just a birth giver, who's really just like the link for those two to be mm. together. Um, and she's very ignorant of what they're going on. And she's yeah. easily distracted by other stuff besides like the, her immediate family. So she's just kind of like eh, a passive giver of life. <laughs> eh. um, got some major themes here. Major themes. Let's hear uh, So a major theme here is brotherhood. Brotherhood. Uh so family kind of more more in a essence brotherhood so i have here they have a, a mutual resentment for inequivalent outcome so they had the same upbringing but one became more of a family man writer type and the other yeah. became this nomad uh they're competitive with one another uh, as shown by how they the one older brother, Lee, immediately was like, I got a, I got a movie that's pretty good, <laughs> and I'm going to sell it. And he does, yeah. and it's just like, Jesus, as a little brother, that's a nightmare. Uh, and then they have different views on their family. There's a lot of times in the play where they obviously view their mother and father differently. Like mm-hmm. one has several stories about their dad that the other doesn't know anything about, so they just you never really realize how different you might view these people who you think you view the same. Yeah. 
Um, and then they also kind of morph into one another by the end of the show. Like you learn that at the end of the show, the end of the um, the play, you learn that Austin is about as ruthless as uh, Lee is, and you learn that Lee is about as creative as Austin, but yeah. also um, as conscious as Austin in the same way. Another theme is the West, so it takes place in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but the movie that Lee pitches is a Western, like a classic Western. So there's a huge dichotomy and a big uh, rant by Austin at one point where he's talking about, what Lee's talking about isn't the West. That's what you think the West is. This is the West. I'm the one who's struggling in Los Angeles right yeah. now. This is real West. Get it? Name yes. of the play? True True West. West. Um, also just talking about, you know, how different the struggle is as far as what the West used to be was like gold mining and Mm -hmm. horse wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And now it's like making movies about that kind of thing. And if you're lucky, you can find it. So it's similar to the old gold rush of Los Angeles and all that kind of stuff. Um, and just also just really romantic visions of what the West is and could be. They're in this kind of like comfy home that their mom built. But Lee has this desert story that he talks about and how they, they live in the desert. Mm-hmm. And it was great and he didn't have to worry about anything. And it's cooler out there. The air is better. Yeah. So it's all this kind of romanticizing. And then there's also escapism with it too. Thinking about getting away from your current lot in life. Going to the West. Uh, speaking of escapism, writing is a theme. So Writing is a theme. Um, so they're both storytellers to different degrees. I have it down, wrote a note that said, Lee is Lee can't write, but he can tell a story, and Austin can write, but has no stories. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's good. A little original thought there. Uh, but they both escape through writing, however they do it. The stories that Lee tells himself are the, uh, the stories that Austin thinks that he can make up. And it's all just about getting out, and they all have just different ideas. So when they fight, they're both right, which is the annoying thing about fighting with brothers, mm-hmm. is that you really forget that you just have these absolute thoughts of the other person and you forget that they are not the same as you. Yeah. Just because you happen to have the same mom and dad and because you perceivably had the same upbringing, um, your stories are going to be different. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I view it. It's like, like you mentioned before, it's a writer writing about writing. Yeah. Because that's, you know, obviously whoever wrote this play, <laughs> he's a writer and an actor. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by nature. Um, but yeah, so it's it's one of those things where um, they both use art and writing in a much different way and it to different results, too. Mm-hmm. One found the way to make money doing it. The other one just found a way to get by. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, the one who just found a way to get by is the one who's making money from it. And the one who's found a way to make money from it is uh, strangling his brother on the ground. <laughs> Boom, that's how you end up. Yeah. So that's True West. I have a special bonus. Special bonus? Okay, I will say before I end my homework, because uh, I went a little lengthy on the synopsis, love True West. It was a great play. You really loved it? I thought it was really fun. Um, so I decided, though, it's True West, right? Yeah. So we need a little response for it for the East. Okay. So I wrote a little short play called For Real East. For Real East. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I sent it to you in a PDF. Can you pull it up? I, I do. You're gonna need to hold your. <laughs> you're gonna need to hold your phone like this and read. I get, I, got, I got it right uh, here. Do you want to be? You want to be Donnie? I guess I can be Donnie. Okay, I'm gonna play the role of Mark. Okay. In For Real East by Logan James Lukacs. Interior Wahlburgers <laughs> day. <laughs> we see Donnie at a table in the restaurant, distraught over his HP Pavilion laptop. Mark enters. Immediately, a burger is thrown at him, and he catches it, and he approaches Donnie. What are you working on, a fucking book? <laughs> no, I'm working on my screenplay. Judd Apatow's interested in it. Uh, could be my big break. You're already in a fucking million TV shows, bud. Why do you need some Apatow schlub to make your movie for you? Because I want to start making good movies with heart, unlike someone I know. Mark pelts his burger at Donnie. You take that the fuck back. Did you even watch the end of Ted? <laughs> it's contrived, Mark. A teddy bear comes to life? Yeah, it's fucking funny. I can shit out ideas quicker than you can write them down. That makes sense. Writing takes a lot longer than shitting. Ugh. Okay, how about this? A cop 
gets his daughter killed and avenges her death. Turns out, his partner did it. Boom. Seems commercial, I... A uh, national tragedy happens, I play the real-life guy who was there, with now a hot-smoking wife. Boom. Sure, but I... Uh, I'm not fucking done yet, Donnie. There was a long pause. Mark. Transformers 7. Hunt for Cybertron or some shit like that. Boom! See, you don't need no appetite to help you out. Judd Apatow enters. A burger is thrown at him, but it just hits him in the face. Did someone say Apatow? Donnie, do you have the outline done for your comedy where a middle-aged actor finds out he has a son who also happens to be starring in the same TV show they're working on? <laughs> do I? That's what it's about, Donnie? Jesus Christ. Look, Apatow, I got a way funnier slash heartfelt idea. Robot comes to life, Pinocchio style, becomes a hitch-type love guru to a nerdier robot who comes to life. It's Robo-Hitch. Mila Kunis is in it. Seth Rogen's the nerdy robot. I'm the Hitchbot. Sold. Sorry, Donnie, I can't pass up working with Mark on Hitchbot. See ya. Judd exits. How could you do that to me? Easy, bitch, I'm Mark. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you're attached. Judd says he wants you playing my brother in the movie. I don't want that. Fine, I think we got another brother somewhere. Fuck you. Mark trades places with Donnie and begins typing. Time to write this shit. Jesus Christ, Donnie, is this a 2009 HP Pavilion? <laughs> There's a silence. Donnie shuffles his feet back and forth. I think it might actually be funny if maybe you played the nerdy robot and Seth Rogen played the Hitchbot. But it turns out Hitchbot doesn't have good relationship advice. What? Now you want to be in it, brother? That's fucked. Mom enters. She catches the burger and eats it whole. Mom, Mom you're, you're home. home. I just wanted to check on the burgers. Mark sold a movie to Apatow. I thought you were selling a movie to Apatow, Donnie. I, I beat it. Oh. I beat him to the punch, Ma. I'm wicked fast. That's true. I'll kill you, Mark. Donnie lunges at Mark with a hamburger and shoves it down his throat as he chokes. Well, looks like the burgers are fine. Bye, guys. Mom exits. Donnie continues to choke Mark. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to let you go, but you got to give me a head start. Donnie lets go and runs. Mark jumps immediately to his feet. And kicks Donnie in the back with both of his feet at the same time. (laughs) Donnie falls to the ground. Mark catches another burger by the exit. Now that's some for real East. (laughs) Oh, it's exactly the same. (laughs) And that's my homework. (laughs) That was good. Oh, boy. Transition to yours? Yeah. (laughs) Sure am. All right. Sid Arthur. Whoa. Uh, keeping the Donnie voice? <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping the Donnie voice. So, we're doing Sid, Sid Arthur by yeah. uh, Herman Hesse. Herman Hesse. Hesse, whatever. Yeah, you know, it shows you read it. Yeah. So, we'll start out with a quick summary. Uh, it wasn't a super long book, and then we'll get into my, it was, I guess it was my opinions on it and the themes. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. it was kind of lessons you might have learned. Okay. Like yeah. brief synopsis and just core yeah. lessons. Uh, so this will be very... I'm going to try and keep this as concise as possible. There's not a lot to tell. Because somebody didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Siddhartha is like just the... He's just the man. Like the perfect son of this Brahmin. Yeah. Which uh, is... I don't really know what a Brahmin is. It's, it's like some type of monk yeah. style religious guy. Uh, he and his best friend Govinda decide to join the Samanas, which are more of an extreme monk-style uh, religious group. And uh, he that's, da- your, that's your starvation monks. Yeah, his dad doesn't want him to, but Siddhartha is a man. He stands, like, still for, like, 18 hours and doesn't move until his dad his dad says that he can do he can join him. And then his dad's just like, okay, <laughs> oh, see ya. <laughs> guess wow, he, you're pretty still. Guess you won. So... Uh, Siddhartha and Govinda renounce all possessions. They learn to fast. They live in the woods. They do intense meditation. They're essentially just like walking skeletons who just don't talk or do anything but move around and meditate. Uh, he hears about this uh, this guy, the illustrious one, 
Gatam Gatama or something like that. Mm. I don't remember his name, but this this Buddha, this Buddha who's supposed to be just the the greatest. And yeah, he he preaches to people and everybody friggin' loves him. So Govinda can convinces him to go hear this guy's teachings. But at this point, Siddhartha's already kind of questioning the the entire uh, like establishment of religion and just like not quite sure about it. So they go there, they hear his teachings, and they're like, wow, this is dope. This guy's awesome. He's good. <laughs> and Siddhartha's still a little bit skeptical of all of it, but Govinda wants to stay and, and follow this guy and, and do what he's doing. So Govinda stays. Siddhartha talks to the illustrious one and is just like, yo, your stuff's cool, but I don't think it is really representative of everybody, so I gotta go find out stuff for my own. I don't want any teachers. So then he plays a little Demi Lovato. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not sorry. It's actually, they wrote the entire song out in the book. Yeah, it was interesting. It was a new update. So he starts walking away, and he comes to this river, and he meets a generous ferryman. Ooh. And he doesn't have the money to pay him to cross the river, but the fairy guy is like, you know what? You'll pay me back someday. And so he takes him across the river, and Siddhartha is just like, all right, I owe you, dog. See ya. So then he hits the city life. He meets this banging babe named uh, Kamala, <laughs> who teaches him the art of lovemaking. Ooh. Teaches him how to love a woman. Sounds like Siddhartha's your kind of guy right now. Yeah. And then he uh, he goes like, she goes, hey, you need to make some money, too, because your girl needs some finer things in life. <laughs> and he was, he's like, all right, well, what do I do? I don't know how to make the money. I've been fasting and living in the woods. She goes, well, go see uh, Kamaswami, and uh, he's going to teach you how to make money, teach you how to be a merchant. So Siddhartha goes to see Kamaswami, and Kamaswami's a bit of a spaz, and Siddhartha's chill as fuck. And they work well together. They start making a lot of money. He becomes a rich man. So he's starting, he's, he's got all this money and he doesn't know what to do with it. And he's still weird and questioning life. So he starts gambling. He becomes pretty good at dominoes or something like that. Yeah, Mahjong? Uh, some game that involves dominoes. Oh. Or dice. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he starts gambling and he like wins a ton of money and then loses everything and then wins a ton of money. So he's up and down and at a certain point he just is like, Oh God, what am I doing? And this is yeah. like, he's like into like middle age now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, what is my life? Like, why am I doing this? Why do I care about money? Realizes that everything's kind of trivial. He doesn't really, he loves Kamala, but he doesn't really love her. He's never like really loved anything. He's just like, ah, yeah, what is life? And so he says, see you, everybody. And just begins his journey back to figure out some other stuff. So... Siddhartha goes back to the river, and he uh, he has, like, a spiritual awakening, and uh, kind of just, like, passes out, and ends up waking up to Govinda, who doesn't initially recognize him, but he's passing through the area just as a wandering Buddhist. Um, they have, like, a quick little conversation. Uh, Govinda goes on his way. Siddhartha decides to become just a river man. Uh, I'm a river man. He's just like, I'm going to be by the river. I'm going to help people cross the river. And he meets the same river guy named uh, Vasudeva and um, becomes like his apprentice. And that's how he, that's the IOU. He ended up paying him back by becoming his apprentice and taking over. Um, So a bunch of years later, after he's been just being a river boy for a while, uh, Kamala, she's now a Buddhist convert, is is roaming through the area. She gets bit by a snake right by the river. That's a chomp chomp. Chomp chomp. She got bit by a chomp chomp. And then uh, she, uh, as she's dying, she's like, oh, God, yo, Sid Arthur, it's you. <laughs> What's up, dog? <laughs> it's you, my man. It's you. Hey, you remember me? And he's like, yeah, of course I remember you. You taught me how to make love. And she goes, look at this. This is a, this little boy. You look familiar, and Siddhartha's like, what? And she's like, that's your son. And then she dies. That's your son, bitch. (laughs) She dies, and then um, he's just like, oh, I guess I gotta raise this boy. Hmm. And um, 
the the kid doesn't like him at all because the kid grew up like rich and uh, just living the city life, and then yeah. Siddhartha's just trying to make him learn how to be like essentially a samana and like fasting, eating very little, uh, and living simply, no possessions, just helping people cross the river. The kid hates it. He's like, hey, I'd rather be a villain and go to hell than stay here with you because you suck. And he runs Whoa. away. Siddhartha is super bummed out about it and wants to go find him. But the, the the original river guide guy goes like, you gotta let your son go on his own path because that's what your dad did to you. Yeah. Your dad died without ever seeing you again. Your son. You might you die. Might, you, might do the, you might do the same. So I'm gonna this this last part is the only part that I'm gonna read the full like out little little summary I found online, uh, so that you guys can get get the end of the book. But toward the end of his life, Govinda hears about an enlightened ferryman to, and travels to Siddhartha. Not initially recognizing him as his childhood friend, Govinda asks the now elderly Siddhartha to relate his wisdom, and Siddhartha replies that for every true statement, there is an opposite one that is also true. That language and the confines of time lead people to adhere to the one fixed belief that does not account for the fullness of the truth. Because nature works in a self-sustaining cycle, every entity carries in it the potential for its opposite, and so the world must always be considered complete. Siddhartha simply urges people to identify and love the world in its completeness. Siddhartha then requests that Govinda kiss his forehead, and, when he does... Govinda experiences the visions of timeliness that Siddhartha himself saw with Vasudeva by the river. Uh, Govinda bows to his wise friend, and Siddhartha smiles radiantly, having found enlightenment. (gasps) And that's the end of the book. That's how the book ends. So, we'll get into some themes. What'd you learn? I'm going to give you the themes. I'm going to know what I learned. Okay. Uh, Themes. Enlightenment and the search, the search for enlightenment, uh, just trying to find a way in like a religious world, uh, search for meaning as, as a man, as a, as a human being, he's just trying to figure out what his purpose is, uh, love throughout it. He, he loves Govinda a lot. He loves his family. Uh, he loves each phase of his life separately, even though they are so different. He loves Kamala. He loves his son. Uh, so, and at the end of it, he, he talks a lot about the idea of loving every single thing for just what it is, like Mm. loving a rock for being a rock because it's part of the earth and that's what it is. Uh, mortality dealing with the fact that, uh, in his mind, by the end of all this, like time is not a thing and he's still the same person that he was before he left on this big, long journey. And it's just, he is who he is. Well, just a guy and dissatisfaction through each phase of his life. He's dissatisfied with something, some part of it until the very end. Hear that. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and that's, uh, he's something that he has to deal with and, and he always moves on from it and goes to find something new, which might not always be applicable to everybody, but, but that is part of life. The dissatisfaction of where you're at is part of life. Yeah. So, what I learned, first of yeah. all, I liked the book a lot. Look at that. It was really good. I read, like, half of it, and then I got a little busy, so I did download the audibles, and I listened to the other half. Ooh. Uh, Get you a man who can do both. <laughs> uh, but it was a great book, and I think it's a good, like, coming-of-age novels for for young men and women alike. Probably more so young men, because it deals with a lot of more just a main male character. and yeah. There's one woman in the book. <laughs> yeah, that that lens ain't so great. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, not. I didn't love the way it was written. It seemed like it was written for like middle schoolers. Mm. Uh, very bland and simple, and just like he bowed his head and he bowed his head low and so low he bowed his head. <laughs> it's like all right, we get it, dude. I think it was trying to be written like it was an old fable. Yeah. But it was written... It seemed like a book that was translated into English. I think that was what he was going for. Yeah. Uh, But... And also, it definitely was, because it was uh, originally German, I believe. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think what I learned from it is that... I mean, stuff that I've always kind of known, but just, like, 
solidifies like the idea that throughout like everybody's life you're gonna be unhappy with where you are at some point like you can be very it could be a very very happy person but there's always ways to find faults in whatever you're doing yeah uh and it's okay like you can change those scenarios like it's it's not a bad thing to to change your life course in order to make yourself happy because it's just it's a life like it's it's yours to do what you you want with if you're not happy in your career to find a new one if you're not like happy with what you're doing or in your relationship or uh where you're at like move yeah <laughs> end it like, find something new like it's okay to do that stuff because you're gonna find new things wherever you go there's there's so much so many things to do so much world like it's a it's cool to just bail on what you're doing yeah <laughs> uh which is a big thing and then also just important to like to like search for whatever makes you happy you know uh for him it was it was trying to find like the uh, like trying to to grasp and find that idea that you can love everything and that no matter what he did in his life it was it was a life and that's what he that's and he was happy with it uh by the end of it and he learned as much as he could and that was a big uh problem or theme of it was dealing with intelligence is that he always felt like he was too intelligent to be doing what he was doing like he he was constantly questioning every group that he joined and every teacher that he had and he just felt that in his mind like uh there was always questions to be raised about their teachings where like other people could buy into them he just couldn't and yeah. it's okay like it's okay to question things it's okay to to be uncertain about paths that people try to lead you down, uh, just you know, be your own person. Well, here's what I here's what I'll say. When I read this book, so I chose it because I read it sophomore year in college. Yeah, good time to read a book like this. Mm-hmm. But I most impact the two main things I remember from that book is when he decided to not follow that one Buddha type guy. Yeah, like when everyone's like, "Whoa, this is like this guy is the Buddha," and he's like, "I'm not, I don't buy it." He's he's saying all the shit you guys want to hear, but well, he recognized him as that. Yeah, he was but like, this he is was cool. he was like he just said like, "I don't think that your your thoughts apply to everybody." Yeah, and I want to find the thoughts that apply to everybody. Yeah, he was like, "Peace, man." I, I don't think I got. I don't think you got it. Yeah, and then so he like does his whole fucking life, and at the end, he's kind of like. I remember there's a quote I really like, and I'm not going to say it verbatim, but it, it's something to the same tune of it, that true wisdom cannot be obtained. Wisdom, or, yeah, true wisdom cannot be contained. Knowledge can be communicated. It can be spoken. It can be written. But wisdom comes from actually having lived a life yeah. for the most part. So it's like, basically, when he was too young, he got hit with, some guy's wisdom coming through his knowledge. Yeah. But so he got the knowledge, but he didn't have the wisdom to apply it to himself. And yeah. And that's what happens later in life. But man, and, why can't it happen just right there? <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit, and then the, at the end, uh, Govinda is so perplexed because what Siddhartha is saying is kind of the antithesis, antithesis of the illustrious one. And he's saying like all this stuff that's, completely the opposite of what the illustrious one used to preach yeah but it's it also rings just as true which is where siddhartha's point of for every truth the opposite is also true yeah um so yeah that's, look at that that's my homework i didn't have anything special uh it's pretty basic homework no, no wow no <laughs> <laughs> uh, i tried to look up some fun facts and stuff from the book it's nothing <laughs> it's just a book it's like a pretty well-liked book it's yeah it's just like there a, it's not required reading but it's a yeah. book it's quick enough well you know what you're at a disadvantage it's no small steps you're not gonna be able to blow any minds no no until i get bring out siddhartha 2 siddhartha 2 <laughs> where he goes and follows a band around siddhartha, siddhartha becomes a professional wrestler <laughs> and his name's hulk hogan <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well you know what that's not that's homework for that's the my homework hey how about that this is a fun week of homework. It's a very homework week of homework. I gotta fix my glasses. It's a nerd week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? 
it's necessary sometimes. Yeah, you guys got to get learned. We got to have a nerd week. Got to you got to be smart out there, you dummies. You dumb dweebazoids. Yeah, everybody's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what this takes us to? What does it take us to? The next portion of the show. Is that grades? Oh, it's grades. All right. All right, you ready for it? Do you do you feel confident to describe the grades again? Uh so here's the here's what we do. We grade each other. There's four categories: accuracy, effort, quality, and woe. Uh, each worth 25 points for a total of 100 points. And uh, that's it. That's it. You guys got it. And we'll be back in just one millisecond. All right, you lovely classmates, ready to get back to grades? We're back at it. And uh, don't near the head of the class. You get to administer your grades first. And please don't be too harsh. Well, what? <laughs> I think I got to decide who gets to go first. Oh, shoot, yeah. But I guess I will. Okay, go for it. All right. Accuracy. <gasps> 23. 23, okay. Effort. 23. Ooh. Quality. 22. Okay. And then, whoa. If you didn't pull out that thing at the end, it would have been a low one. But going with 22. Whoa! Put you at a clean 90 out of 100. It's an A minus. That's an A minus. I'm pretty happy with that. Hey, you should be. You, like, earned, you earned it. By goodness. That's good homework. Wow. A little, little wordy for the summary, but. Uh, I screwed up on the summary. That's all right. Uh, it's bad. It's a harsh thing to get into. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Hitting you on effort. Okay. 25. Oh, wow. You know what? You read a book. <laughs> I did read I just had to read a play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even listening to it, they read at the same speed of reading. <laughs> so yeah. it still takes time. Uh, quality? I'm, I'm knocking at a 20. Okay. Yeah. I uh, that. Summary was there. Uh, it is a simple book. Uh, the only The only thing... And just just transparent feedback, and I did the same kind of thing. Is we just we may we just gotta go above and beyond when we're delivering. We do need to go above and beyond. It's just it's such a simple book. Yeah, when we're delivering like our themes and all that kind of stuff, we just gotta find a fun way to deliver yeah. it. And that's that's outside of woe even. That's outside of the surprise. It's just for for those of you out there who haven't read the book, read it and you'll get all the themes within the first chapter. <laughs> Pretty quick. <laughs> um, accuracy twenty five out of twenty five. You read that book, baby. Hey. Thank you. I don't. I don't. I don't blame it. And then it, here's where some points get lost. Yes, and that's that's whoa. There's nothing for it. Yeah. Uh, downhill battle because I signed the book and had read it before, mm-hmm. so I couldn't get too shocked by anything. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking maybe future book assignments. Maybe we go in blind a little go bit more blind. blind. Would be nice. Yeah. Uh, so I gave you a ten on that. One. Oh, oh boy, that might be the lowest one ever. No. Yeah. Is that low? Whoa. That's, I think, the lowest of any category ever. Low <laughs> <laughs> Uh So that comes out to an 80. Hey, I'm taking 80. Taking 80 on that one? I did the work. Take a B minus, yeah. I'll take an A minus. Well, hey, look at that. I'm sorry, birthday boy, but looks like I'm the head of the class. I'm the, I'm the dunce. Yeah, birthday dunce. That's what you get for being young, man. Yeah, I'm so fucking I'm young. I'm old as shit. I'm so young. All well, right. Well, what's next? We get into homework for next week. Okay. Well, next week's a bit of a, a, a hodgepodge. Hodgepodge next week? We want to spice things up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to be doing, and he doesn't know this yet, nor does he listen to the podcast, I don't think. <laughs> so no risk here. But we're going to do, since we're in Chicago... A little comedy improv special. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to bring on my brother, Tyler. The big big improv star around He's here in Chicago. Here. <laughs> He's been in the improv scene here for about four years. Uh-huh. Uh, so what we're, the plan is uh, I we're going to give each other's dream SNL cast. Yeah, we'll clarify. It. We'll, we'll do the parameters. We'll, yeah, we'll later. decide what the numbers are later on, but that's what you're getting. And then my homework for you, Dalton, is I want you to give us a brief history of the Second City here, uh, which is the, the one of the premier comedy clubs for improv comedy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for you, 
I think that uh, for anybody, for any hopefuls out there that want to come to Chicago and get involved with this, uh, give me a little bit of information on all the other places. Yeah, because if you don't are... know, there's probably dozens of other yeah. things to do. that. So I'm going to do a little research on that. Yes. Uh, to boot, Dalton and I, I've taken one class at one of the theaters mm-hmm. in writing, Yeah, but have not really dove into improv classes. No? So we're going to see if we can't get Tyler to give us some improv tips and maybe even coach me and Dalton a little bit and try to do a scene at the yeah, end Yeah, we'll try and do a little scene for you guys. Yeah, so uh, something to look forward to next week, the big comedy special. The big comedy special. This one's our big break. Thank you guys so much for listening to this yeah. week's episode of Homework with Friends. There's another one in the books. Hey, this is a wordy one. This is one, if you're still listening, share it with your nerdiest pals. Yeah, share it with your big nerd boys. Nerd boys. But uh, if you want to connect with us, at Homework Pod on Twitter, yeah. Lake Street Studios Instagram, homeworkwithfriends at gmail.com, uh, our Tinder profiles. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Uh, but yeah. Hey, that's about it. I'm hungry. We got to get out of here. Uh, We got to get out of here. As always, Uh, do your homework. Do your homework. Let's go get food. Love you guys.